This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Today on the podcast, it's Vince Coconato, a.k.a. Coco, from the hit viral dance sensation, Bob's Dance Shop. This is a very cute convo. And speaking of things that are cute, I'm on tour. I'm going to be in Atlanta, June 17th. I'll be in Raleigh, June 18th. I'll be in Brea, California, the Brea Improv on July 7th. Portland, Oregon, July 8th, Burbank, California, July 20th, and New York, New York, August 16th through 20th. Will you please go to CameronEsposito.com slash tour, get tickets, and come see me live. I miss you. I just really, really miss you. Okay, enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. I always have guests introduce themselves on the show. Would you introduce yourself? I would love to. So I'm Vince Coconato. I go by Coco for short, like coconut, but drop the nut. And I am a vibe maker. I'm a joy activist and I'm an artist. <laughs> yes, this is, so this is, okay, this is the first question. And sure. I'm, is this your real last name? Coconato? Yeah. Yeah. What a triumph of a last name. It's pretty cool. Just incredible. Was there ever a time pretty- in your life where you did not like it? Never. Yeah, I mean, it's such a good last name. Just yeah, it's a good last name. And um, I grew up in the South, so whenever I'd um, play baseball and I'd go up to bat, they'd say, "Now up, up to bat, number two, Andrew Coconata," and they would say Coconata like that, which oh. was like it's not Coconata, it's Coconato, but just the way that they rolled it off the tongue. It's just it sounds like an expensive drink. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe we need to make that a. I'm ready. I'm ready for that partnership. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about why, like, so yes, you're a vibe maker. You work specifically, I mean, how I'm familiar with you are these sort of like viral, I guess, are they still called flash mobs? We call them flash bobs. (laughs) Right. Because it's, because it's, because it's Bob's dance studio. That is the name of the larger entity that you work with yeah talk to me about the like creation of this group of people how these folks came together and what you can you just describe for anybody who hasn't seen it and they should just first of all like go to your tiktok or instagram so that they can really see what we're talking about but you can yes. also describe it it's a podcast yeah so um bob's dance shop is an experience like an immersive dance experience. yes i said studio bob's dance shop of course that's okay that's okay Keep going. um and Bob is, it's an energy, it's a mentality, it stands for be our best. So it is all about activating the most alive, the most present version of yourself. And um, it's being having the audacity to be truth, truthful into the world. And everybody is Bob. So Bob is not a person, Bob is like an energy that I'm Bob, you're Bob. It's kind of like an invitation, an inclusive party that we're all inviting everyone to. So Flash Bob 
is the take of the flash mob that were like popular in the early 2000s. Um, and our spin is just like doing it in a way that's just fun and quirky. And it's like, take us seriously, but don't take us too seriously. And as I was explaining about the joy activism, it is much needed in this world today. And the flash bobs are like, it is activism because it's us being boldly who, who we are. It's not even like forcing joy because joy is something that should come authentic. Um, it's more so just taking our light and, our, and sharing it in a public space that's not expecting it. So a flash mob, if you don't want a flash mob, it's, it's a surprise dance performance that takes place in public. Um, and then the flash bob is just something that took the internet by storm mid-pandemic Lovato. So. Do, you have a, do you have a dance background? Like a trained um, dance background? No. No, I, I, in high school, I played sports. I was a leader. I did all the things, but I was afraid to dance. Um, baseball was my main yep. sport. I also played soccer. I ran cross country and I secretly was really good at volleyball, but I couldn't show that because girls played volleyball or gay boys played volleyball. Right. So, yes. Um, Another secret thing was that I loved softball more than I loved baseball. And I was a really good underhand pitcher, like better than most girls would throw. Um, and I had to hide that because people were like, whenever I would do it really well, people would be like. So when you say secret thing, how did you even know that? Are you talking about like a gym class experience or are you talking about practicing at your home? My sisters played softball and I would uh... pitch to them. I would like they would warm up. Like, and I had pitched to them underhand. And I really loved it. I loved the flow of it. I just loved to, like, it's just something that came natural to me. But whenever I would show it in public, like, people were like, oh, no, you're a really good pitcher. Um, that and volleyball, my sisters played volleyball too. Um, one of them grew to become a volleyball coach at, at some point in high school. So, and then I didn't really actually start playing volleyball until I moved to California. This is really interesting to me simply because, I mean, of literally, of course, but I have so much familiarity with people who were like cultured female raised as women who talk about playing softball and wishing that they could have had access to baseball. Like I, that's mm -hmm. like been a big part of my, my wife is a softball play. She was a pitcher in high school and my, my ex-spouse plays baseball, loves it. Um, so I feel like I like I'm very familiar with that direction of movement and the sort of mm -hmm. like forcing people who are being raised as women to, yeah, to like pitch slower with bigger, you know, with a ball with a larger circumference, all this stuff. I never considered that you might have wanted to play softball. Never. Oh, it's never yeah. come up for me. Softball is way more entertaining to watch. It's much faster paced. Like, it's just like even the concept of the pitcher is closer to the batter. That means the ball gets there sooner. Baseball, it's like the wind up and then the look at the face and then you throw it. It's like, let's get to the point. Like softball, it's like, they, they like hit it, it, the ball's hit and it's just moved really quick. And there's also like the excitement of being in the fans, like being a part of the, the crowd and the cheers and the chants. It's just like, I don't know. I, I felt more belonging. Like I would mm -hmm. get more excited going to see my sisters compete in softball tournaments than playing in my own baseball game. And the thing that is so, oh God, I mean, because the way we gender stuff is so wild. For, mm -hmm. The reason I'm saying this is I'm from Chicago. And have you ever played 16-inch softball? Slash, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. So 12-inch softball is what you're talking about. 
and those balls are like still pretty hard. But in the Midwest and in Chicago, there is a larger softball. It's like it's a it's 16 inch and it's soft. It's legitimately soft. So you can't hit it that far as you can't hit it as far as you can hit a baseball or softball. And mm-hmm. people play without gloves. So like my uncle, who was a college baseball pitcher, eventually played 16 inch softball. And it is a, a hyper masculine sport because you like break your fingers constantly because you're catching this ball that is even though it's soft, it's still like. It's not like soft like a pillow. It's soft like compared to a baseball. And you're catching it with your bare hands and throwing it with your bare hands. So it is, it's like this hilarious continuum where it's like baseball, softball, and then the snake comes around and eats its own tail, like 16-inch softball. So like that's the way we are, we break it down that minutely. Like the, I don't, that's just, it's wild to me. I'm always curious, who's the one that invented that? Like who's the one that was like, I don't know. Let's make a bigger ball, slightly softer, and we can only catch it with our bare hands. I don't know. Like, I just like, who comes up with these things? I don't know. I mean, we can go on this for a whole tangent. Right. I think the question was, like, how did you get into dance? And I was saying, base athletics was kind of my training. And um, I was always artistic. Like, I... I I grew up on on a street where my best friends and I were, like, the Goonies. And so we would... We were putting on concerts, competing over who was going to be Justin or JC from just from um, NSYNC. And we would like shoot VHS films and we would go invite our neighbors and like have them come watch our movies or watch our concerts. And our production company was Twisted Oak Productions, which is the street that I grew up on. So the fast forward is that my current business is Twisted Oak Creative and Bob's Dance Shop is the doing business as. Um, But but all to say that in an early stage, I was creative, but I was kind of like playing sports is just what you did. And mm. I grew up at the baseball field. Like my, my mom ran the concession stand. My dad was like the head umpire. We were always at the, at the, the baseball field. Right. So sports was kind of the defining element. Um, it's where I kind of learned my athleticism, where I trained. And then when I went into high school, I continued to play sports. I picked a band. I was in the marching band and I, by my senior year, I had never really danced publicly. I never learned a choreography. I always aspired. I always wanted to be like Kesey Lloyd and Chevalier Moore, who were my two classmates that always competed in the dance competitions and they won. I was like, I want to be like them. Um, and so fast forward, 20, 2009, this is the summer of 2009, and it's going into my senior year in high school. I'm visiting New York City with my family. I went to meet a friend at a restaurant. My dad calls. He's like, you won't believe this. Michael Jackson just died. And I was like, you're kidding. And so it's like all kind of happening at once. I go and tell my waitress. I said, hey, I think Michael Jackson just died. And she's like, no way. And they turn on the news. And I'm like, big news announcement. And I pay my check. I leave. And this woman comes up to me. She's got a microphone. She's with a news station. And she's like, Michael Jackson has just died. What's your initial reaction? Wow. It's like. All this is like going down within like five minutes. Wow, okay. And um, I just was like, I remember that moment and just kind of like all the things that were going through my head of like, what? How do I even process this? And the long story short is I went home and I just dove deep into Michael Jackson's music videos and just truly admired the artistry. And I really loved not just the choreography, but it was like the makeup, the costuming, the cinematography. It was like, this is like, 
what I want to do. And I was class president and I wanted my class to be known for something beyond sports, beyond the state championship. I also wanted to bring all the cliques together because I didn't like cliques. I just wanted everyone to be one happy family. So I sent kind of a memo out. I said, hey, we're going to do a, a thriller dance at the homecoming pep rally. Anyone that wants to be involved, this is the sign up. And so I had, of my entire senior class, I had about 70 classmates who I started teaching. We would rehearse for like three days out of the week after classes. No one knew about it. And I realized I was a really good dancer. <laughs> keep going, keep going. And, I, and I'm a really good teacher. Mm. Because I, I didn't have professional dance training, I had this way, this language in which I could relay the message to these other non-dancers how to like hit the move on the beat and on the count. And there was like these words, the words would tell you like booty bounce, booty bounce, clap and slide, you know, like, and you would, it was just, it made it fun, but it, it was helpful for someone who just doesn't have rhythm or they don't even know their left foot from the right. And so this happened. We go to perform it at the pep rally and you're familiar with pep rallies. Uh, yeah, it was the, like, it was the mascot of my high school. So of course. I, I, fucking familiar. You get it. So pep rallies, they have a low, a low bar. Like you're not expecting Jabberwockies to come out with a dance performance. No, you're expecting some skit that was thrown together in a couple hours and some teachers doing some goofy things. Maybe not even a skit, just just uh, just yelling about the other team. Exactly. So we go out and we sprawl across this, the gymnasium floor, and everyone's cheering and hooting and hollering like, "We see you, Coco!" Um, but they didn't know. Like they're their expectation was like ground zero. And I was like, oh, they have no idea what we've just prepared. So we all are zombieing and the thriller's happening and it's taking formation. And then we take our first bump, bump, and like, like a machine, everyone's heads and their shoulders, it's just locked. And the, the whole gymnasium lost it. I mean, they were just like, like jaw to the drop, to the floor, because they just were not expecting us to have any synchronicity whatsoever. And that feeling was like, oh, I love this feeling. Like, this is what I'm living for. Like, the surprise element. I love I loved su- surprising people. I love it when their bar is low and I can exceed that bar and give them a dose of unexpected joy. And so at that senior year, I was 18. That's where I discovered I'm good at this. I'm passionate about it. And I enjoy it. So I went to college. I joined a fraternity, still closeted. I the the fraternity and the and the university campus had this giant competition called lip sync, which is like equivalent to um, Pitch Perfect. You, you've seen the movie, and the competition is like like real thick. Like you got to win. Like everyone wants to win a competition, and so I started teach creating creating the choreography for my fraternity, and. In college, I started, did a flash mob because that was back in the early 2000s when it was big. And we did this big, like 350 person flash mob on campus. Similar thing where it just brought everyone together and it was just was a lot of fun. And so that's where I just trained myself and I have been training on the fact of like, I create choreography that's applicable, it's accessible, it's inclusive, it's meant to invite dancers and non-dancers to basically come together and just to like break down the barrier and just have fun. 
So the structure of Bob and what I'm doing now is kind of off of those same principles of like, well, dance is more so a language rather than just a skill set. And these are some of the tools and the movements that we do that kind of get you involved. And that's also how we're able to do the flash mob, flash bob, is typically it takes like weeks to rehearse. But these we like we meet three hours before we actually record. And then we do it once and we're done. So we're meeting like hundred people at one time. We have this full dance Bob's dance shop experience where we take you through the whole ice melting and just like letting loose and breathing and connecting. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! But I want to break down some of the stuff that you're talking about before we continue to move on. I know you were in the midst of talking about what you currently sure. do. Let's like yeah. let's like go back a second because there's like a, I have so many follow ups. Um, yeah. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Okay. Um, here's what I was going to ask. First of all, um, because I think it's like I actually think one can't move past this these days. The Michael Jackson of it all, the being inspired by Michael Jackson, that you're being your first experience organizing. Obviously, the Thriller Dance iconic and truly like changing the music industry, changing whether what we thought was possible in terms of music videos. And also um, the fucking complicated figure. Somebody who I I mean, I believe the stuff I've seen in documentaries. I don't think people make Mm -hmm. that up. I don't think there's like a reason to. Um, And so I'm just curious, like, if that... And maybe you don't have an answer to this. I don't know. But I am curious mm-hmm. about your, I don't know, relationship with an artist that, because we, when he died, when you would have been choreographing this, sure, we had like jokes, we had rumors, but we didn't have the kind of information that we have today. Mm-mm. And so I'm just curious if that colors your memory of this experience. Or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. No, it does. I mean that that's come up that that has come up a lot and i have to credit it for what it is and i and what i'm realizing is what i was inspired by was the art and without at a, at such a young age not even realizing so much about what was actually happening behind that art it doesn't it's not so much for me where i make it excusable um i don't have any excuse for it i don't have any justification for it um i what what is true for me is that the art itself was has always been an inspiration but i will say that my idol is not michael jackson um i would say two of my idols uh queer idols would be freddie mercury who Mm, i didn't really really have a connection with until i would say maybe eight years later 
I didn't truly understand Freddie Mercury. I, I wasn't connected to Queen until I really dove into the story behind Freddie Mercury and I saw how he embodied what I truly aspire to embody yeah. of just like true authentic existence on stage exuding all things just going for it not having like so much structure but just being extraordinarily you on a public stage like sure. also his music that, is gay yes which and i think I didn't is even an, realize that another thing that's very that. funny because in my youth anyway and i'm, I'm you know especially somebody playing sports it's, the queen got there was a shit ton there's a qu- shit ton of queen that got m- moved into like a jock jams uh sports zone where like we're the champions all that stuff oh, yeah. plays yeah. at you know basketball games and stuff like that and it is funny because i i remember when uh, marriage equality happened and then that song came on the radio and i was like oh wait this one too because all of his all of queen's music is fucking queer um and not yeah. just like coded i mean like openly queer same with george michael like i don't know what we were as a community um substituting with, mm-hmm. like for just active queerness but um good job to the folks who the like adults the straight adults doing mental gymnastics and substituting that out because i don't even know how they did it it's it truly is like they're saying i am having sex with a man let me describe that to you and for some reason, this being mis- misinterpreted. I, I'm grateful for that. I, yeah. I have so much immense respect for it because that it was so much harder to do it then. And that yet they were still doing it. Mm. Freddie, Freddie Mercury was wearing women's clothes on stage. Yeah. He was shopping in the women's section. Like, I do that. I wear women's clothes. I Women's clothes. I wear, I shop in the women's department. Right. I'm just, we're talking about our idols evolve. I, I, Michael Jackson is less of an idol because of the backstory, but I cannot deny that that music video and all that went involved into that music video, which is more than Michael Jackson, it's the direction, it's the it's the costuming, like choreography. That, he didn't choreograph that. He, he didn't choreograph that. No, that that art for what it is is such an inspiration for me, mm. and and and. And those idols have evolved. And I would say the the living version of that artistic expression for me currently is Beyonce. Um, Was that your second? Because I was going to ask you, because you said you have two. You said Freddie Mercury is the second Beyonce. Beyonce is tied. Okay. Oh, Oh, she's going to be so pissed to hear that. Yeah, who's the other one? (laughs) Beyonce. (laughs) It's it's the artist entity Daft Punk. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... That's why I say I can't say them, but it's their artistic, like Beyonce and Daft Punk for me embody, like if, if they had a child and, f- and including with a threesome with Freddie Mercury, out pops Bob. And like, mm. that's my style. Mm. It, it is like on display. There is both like the, the helmet that Daft Punk conceals their identity and preserves their art is what Bob is for me. Bob is something that is much bigger than, Vince Coconato, it's bigger than Coco. It's kind of this this vessel that exudes superstar energy, um, and also just the intentionality, like in the purpose and the details of their story and the music that comes out. Same with Beyonce. It's like everything that is exuding is just very intentional, very purposeful. It's not just like 
oh, I'm just making things to make things, which is totally fine. But something that I relate with is I'm such a hyper-intentional, detail-oriented person. And so Beyonce is that living version. And I have never seen Daft Punk live, and I hope that one day they come back together and they do a show. Um, but I have seen Beyonce live. Me too. And it was, it was, and it was the best live experience I've ever had. And I just, I couldn't help but think like, this is what it was like to see Freddie Mercury on stage. This is what it felt like to see Michael Jackson, like shining on stage. Like, I don't know. Yeah. On the, on the tangent, but. You know, I, you, I feel like for me, I also would put, um, cause I, I also, I am super impressed by folks who can maintain intentionality over time as well. I think that's extremely difficult to hold on to that because it's one thing to be able to do it for a period of time, but like, Jesus Christ, to like the the discipline and the the um, I just think longevity is a really interesting piece for me. And another person I would put in that category is Lady Gaga because I think she has done such an amazing job of like preserving her ideal uh, mm-hmm. throughout a much longer stretch than most people have to. I mean, like Taylor Swift is also amazing. I think one thing that's more amazing about her is like her actual genius songwriter singer skill set that's different Mm -hmm. than what lady gaga is doing which is kind of like it's just a whole creation she literally even goes by another name like you do she has a persona that she's creating she's separating herself from that i also relate to Mm -hmm. that as a comic actually because like the Mm -hmm. person that i mean my um business entity well not my company because i have a company that's called something else but my like person that people are buying that's cameron esposito does share my name but like I, that's not my humanity that's on stage there. That's yeah. the Wizard of Oz that I've made happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we could talk about that for a long time, too. I completely understand what you're saying. I'm super interested in it also. And I think there's a, I think there's a good pivot here. Um, because also, when you're talking about not being trained in dance and then opening it to other folks who are not trained, there's a couple of things I that come to mind for me there. One is um, the barrier to entry that is money uh, because mm. folks have to be able to pay for classes. They have to have parents that would drive them to classes mm-hmm. in order to go as kids, which is mm-hmm. in the dance world. It's actually, you know, technically when you're supposed to start, like there's, there's stuff that you can start later. But if you're like trying to launch, say a traditional professional career, that's, that all happens very young because then your body breaks because you truly yeah. break your body almost on purpose by the time yeah. you're like 30. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, those folks that are training that way, like that's a very, there's a high barrier to entry. Um, yeah. But what you're talking about is a really different barrier to entry that I think TikTok, um, even those boy bands, you know, like sync, there's been a shift there around like, availability um in a dance space yeah actually that i'm also part of i take dance classes do you i do yeah i took dance classes when i was a kid against my will and hated it it was terrible but now it is in your will and you are you're choosing i choose it as a self-healing uh structure like i've gone to there's like some kind of movement focused like raucous party classes here in LA, you know, like 
There's a place called Dance Church. There's a place called Pony Sweat. And I've done those things. Mm -hmm. Currently, I'm taking ballet classes, adult ballet classes. I'm impressed by that. It's cool. It's a formative wound. I'm revisiting Mm -hmm. a formative wound. (laughs) Uh, Because I was a jock like you. So I don't know. And I also, so the money barrier to entry thing, and I want you to jump in and talk about this, but the money barrier to entry thing, and then I think the other one is the like gender conformity. Because especially mm-hmm. in something like ballet, you literally don't wear the same clothes. Like right. like men wear, um, like little ki- boys wear um, like black tights and a white t-shirt. And then girls wear like full pink. And, it's, and there is no confusion about who yep. is who. Um, mm-hmm. But if I had some confusion about who I was, yeah, that made dance like genuinely dangerous for me. So it's not just the barrier to entry financially. I think there's a barrier to entry in terms of how gendered it is. And I'm just curious if you could talk about. I'm sure people talk to you about this. Maybe not. Like I'm talking about other dancers, people who are part of the. The flash bobs. Yeah, I mean, we are like. Breaking down a lot of walls, breaking, breaking a lot of rules and. That is part of the queer queer identity is queer is disruption to what is normal. And so much of what we do is not so much centered around dance. It's really centered around self-expression. We call ourselves a paradise for self-expression. And what we're here to provide you are some of the tools to help you break down the prison cell that's here that doesn't allow you to express your fullest self. And um, it's harder for trained dancers to come into a Bob's dance shop experience and much easier for anyone just who doesn't know Mm. dance to walk in and be like, this is great. Um, And because when now we have earned respect, we've kind of earned our stripes with some of the professional dance community where I don't feel like it was like that in the beginning. Now we have so many new Bob's new dancers who are like, this is liberating for me. You don't understand how much joy I get. Like, this is why I joined dance in the first place. But like dance took that out of me because it, it is, it's a structure, um, it's a conditioning. And to have, to be able to move your body. I mean, movement is language. If you're going to Japan and you don't, you don't speak Japanese, yet you move your body in a way that exudes your vibe, your energy, where someone who is Japanese looks at you and is like, and, they, and I've done that. I literally, I just did that at a wedding. There was a Japanese girl who didn't speak English. And we had a full-on dance party. That did feel very specific. So <laughs> I'm like, I know, this I, is very specific. So this has happened. Yes, you were yeah, at a this wedding. Happened. Yeah, like, and, and she spoke Japanese and she, we just connected. And we had this hour-long dance communication with that, with ever, we never said a word. And her mom reached out to me and said, you have no idea, like, what like i have never seen her dance like that or i've never seen her move like that and it's because our bodies are they can be we communicate on such a energetic level of vibrancy and that is what bob's dance shop is about it's reconnecting it's not like this is something new it's let's show you where your truth lies and it's within you it's not something that's external from you and part of what prevents us from tapping into that internal is our our mental barriers. And so, okay, what are those mental barriers? So it's the labels that we come in. It's the roles we come in. I'm a man. I'm a woman. This is what I wear. 
And so beyond even just dancing, fashion is such a big part of how Mm, mm -hmm. we express in that space. So like for me, when I talk about Bob, it is the intersection of fashion, of music, of dance, of cinema, of theater, of like all things in which you can really express yourself, even comedy. And it's like, I haven't even, until now, and knowing what you do, it's like, Mm. we put comedy into our movements. Like in dancing and hitting our mark, our faces, like look what I'm wearing right now. Our vibe is saying, take us serious enough, but don't take us too seriously. And the way in which we say that without saying it is we hit our pocket. Okay. That's the part that says take us seriously. Wait, you what? As you do what? We hit we hit our pocket. You hit your pocket. Wait, what do you oh, is that's a term? Is, that's a term. Like when you're in the pocket, you're you're hitting your mark. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. your hands are in okay. the pocket. It fits nice. Okay. Sorry, I should have specified. So when you, it's the synchronicity, the synchronicity, Mm -hmm. right? Is what, it's what unifies the whole, but it's the individuality amongst that unity. It's the facial expression, the personality, the eyes, the face, the teeth, like that is, that's the freedom when people come and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to do that again. It's because they've never had permission, even though they don't, we don't need permission to do that, but in the society we do need the permission. We do need someone to be like, let loose, loosen your shoulders. And this is really working for you. I mean, not just in terms of your videos going viral, but you just were, y'all were at Coachella very recently, like yeah. on stage at Coachella. How was that? Amazing. Amazing. It, that has been a dream and it's still, it still is a dream. I think The bigger dream is that we want to be producing our own music and having our own show and not just Mm. featuring and and supporting an artist because we love the artists that we support currently. Um, We were with Sophie Tucker and um, Sophie Tucker are like besties for us uh, that has developed within the last two years. And since 2016, I have gone to Coachella and despite the reputation that Coachella has, amongst being like influencer like materialistic and like showy 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 i feel like that that only exists in la so i feel like listeners that aren't in la might not even know what the fuck we're talking about but it's like a giant desert festival that um has definitely gotten turned into like a scene it's a scene it's like a place to be seen with an outfit on maybe in like a vip tent very yeah, if if for some reason it's, you, I would say it's like don't the know. most commercialized music festival. Yeah, that's a good way. Of, yeah, sure. You know, it's it's a very commercialized yeah. music festival. I mean, like it's highly broadcasted to the world, um, and so because of that, it has high stakes. Yeah, and so I'm going to look at the bare bones of Coachella and explain to you why it's important, why it meant a lot to be on that stage, is that because of the commercialization and what what Coachella has become artists who perform there are presenting the most highest expression of their art. They are pension pennies and using every bit of the budget that they didn't even have to invest in this show because it matters. People are going to write about it. People are going to see it. People are going to talk about it. The proximity to LA, people are driving in who um, are actually able to make moves in terms of folks that they would want to push forward career-wise 
Um, it's not just like Beyonce's performances being broadcast from there and the headliners, but more so just if you can get talked about, then that's a big, it, it has like an impactful career. Yeah. And so they're, therefore it's incentivized to do something unique, to mm-hmm. do something original and to just like be your best. Um, and so I love going to Coachella because I feel like the artists in which I'm listening to on Spotify, I'm going to see their highest expression and I'm going to see how they vision their, how they see themselves and how they, like they're bringing their best. And I love, I get so inspired by being amongst that energy and just receive that artistic uh, display. And for years, I've been watching it being like, I want to be on that stage. Like I want to be doing, I want to be giving what this person is giving me. Um, and that was you know, over the last eight years. So it was very surreal to be on a stage and the energy was re- reciprocated, you know, going, stepping on that stage. I was like, yeah, I've got my friends in the crowd and like, I'm going to give everything because it matters. And it also, it matters to Sophie Tucker, like Sophie Tucker, they launched their brand new show. I mean, brand new stage design. They were releasing new music on stage. It's just was like, they were there because it, it meant a lot to them. And by sharing that stage with Bob Stanshop, it's like the boys, we were there and we're like, let's give this experience everything we have because it matters to us. It matters to them. And this crowd wants it. So. Because I want to go back to you saying that you want to be producing the music. I, I think I'm just unaware of that. Is that already something that is in the wheelhouse no. of this community that I'm just like not aware of? It, I don't expect you to be aware of it. Most people aren't aware of it. Everything that we do usually catches people by surprise. Like people think like, oh, that's the Flashbob guys. They're like, oh, those are the TikTokers. It's like, I've had a vision for my art for a long time, which goes way bigger than what anybody publicly can see. And I don't expect anyone to to get that. And a lot of times I don't talk about it because I'm a firm believer, like the more you talk about the aspirations that aren't there yet, it almost validates that you've gotten there and you don't work as hard for it. So for me, I just keep things and I just take one step at a time and I'm like, okay, let's show up here. Let's show up here. So (laughs) no, 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 I can talk about it. I'm just, what I'll say is we're moving to New York. We're moving to New York within the month. And part of the move, the move to New York is a personal decision for personal growth and also for business growth and business development. And just like wanting to get uncomfortable, wanting to challenge ourselves, wanting to just really be in the hustle and bustle of a new city and to network and not in like a networky way, but like a way that's just is like, we want to really go for it. And because there's going to come a time where we aren't able to dance the way that we can dance now. and. I don't want my art to be limited by my physical face or by my physical body. So there is an evolution of how I want the art to grow. And there's a world in which we are producing original music. And that's not so distant into the future. Like I see that within the next couple of years, there's also a world where we really want to dive into the fashion industry. Um, we just did our first fashion show with a designer in Nashville. We have some more, um, basically, invitations in New York when we're moving there. And 
then there's the television element. You know, we're we're TV personalities. Uh, We're just slowly being discovered as that. It's just that there is so much more. It's just what I'm able to do and what I have access to do, and more immediately is through dance. Um, But beyond, like the the flashbobs are how we bring the community together. They're fun. You know, we're making memories. That, but then there's the the dance videos. Like when we shoot our dance videos, I don't know how much boring you've done on our page, but like that's where I have fun. It's like, how can I? That's that's when it's it's just you. It's it's not a public. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well. So that is. Then let me just ask you like a nitty gritty question: Are you? Is this financially supporting you right now? Is this how you're making your living? And yeah, is it is that true time. for the whole team? Because there's a team of folks. So mm-hmm. this is supporting the whole team. And is that yeah. coming from videos? Is that coming from bookings like the like Coachella or this fashion show in Nashville? Or where what are the like revenue streams that you're able to break down right yeah. now? Yeah. Great question. The accumulation is we do sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Um we we're very picky on those. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not just do a sponsorship for a paycheck. Uh, it very much has to align with who we're collaborating with. Um, for example, we do a lot. We, we're doing something with Kiehl's um, for Pride in New York. And so that's a really nice paycheck. When we do those sponsored collaborations, and most of the time it's like Flashbob activation. So it's a brand like, um, for example, Netflix hired us to do a flash bob for JLo's documentary that came out last year. Mm. So we went to the red carpet in New York and we flash bobbed and it was awesome. Um, so it's brands will hire us to do flash bob activations. And the really cool thing is that it's a niche market that we specialize in. Like right. We, we would be, if anyone's looking to, to do a flash mob and to do it in a way that's fun and original, like they're going to come to Bob's dance shop and say, Hey, can you guys do what you guys do best? So that's our that's one big way of how we re- receive money. We also do live appearances. So Sophie Tucker hires us. They bring us everywhere. This tomorrow we go to Vegas. We're playing at a festival on Friday. We go to Vancouver on Saturday. So we have a consistent um, income stream of live shows. We also perform with Purple Disco Machine. If you're familiar with Purple Disco Machine, um, he also brings us on tour. We'll, we will be playing with him at Pride in New York City. So if you happen to be in at New York Pride, there is a concert in um, Central Park that is for Pride. And so we'll be performing on stage. And so we have that outlet in which we support other artists. And then um, when we, we do our flash bobs, we don't really do those to make money because part of it is just like, we really want this to be accessible to as many people. So we do... A ticketed price, which is like if you have the means, pay it. Then we have a high a half price, basically just like a cut in half. It's like if you don't have the means, but you just want to be able to participate, pay this. Really, to us, that's not how we're making money. Um, like we use that money to pay for our videographer and our editor to like produce the video. Um, and then we have merch, which hasn't launched yet. Mm. We're currently waiting. Merch on the is merch. coming. Oh, it's coming so soon, and it's been a process. Um, but that will be a revenue stream. Yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to think, am I missing anything? Like even beyond flashbobs, people will say, 
hey, can y'all make one of your cool dance videos and just like somehow incorporate. So it's Kiehl's, you're symbol. like, you're doing a flash mob, a flash mob, but you're also like putting moisturizer on everybody's faces. Very important. Not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are. We're like, we're like you're like, very, you're like really tenderly doing the under eyes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I think this is, I mean, I certainly make money touring. Um, so I completely get that. And I know, I'm sure most people these days are familiar with like a sponsorship angle on making a living. I think the thing, so when you're talking about you, cause I didn't, I actually didn't know this. So the, the participation in the flash bobs that has the, that's basically like a ticketed entry for people who want to participate that aren't part of the Bob's dance shop team. Right. Like we, they're like when doing we do it as a hobby. Bob. They're doing it as like, as something to the social event. And that makes sense. Think of, it, we, think of it like it's a dance class. Exactly. Like, that's yes. Like you're you're signing up to get in to for an instructor, except you're getting five instructors and it's each of the bobs. Yeah. And we take you through like the Bob's dance shop experience, which is like it starts with a breath. We all breathe together. Mm. Um it's all about kind of establishing equilibrium. And we stand in a circle, we do the breath, and then we break into warm-up, which is like a jazzercise. And Lucas leads the jazzercise warm-up which is the whole process is about breaking down the box it's about melting the ice because ultimately a hundred of these people have signed up some people are driving two hours there's been people who've flown in from a nearby city like people show up for these and they don't know each other and yet i know that our vibes are the same because you've chosen to be here and you like our vibe and i just need you to understand that you are safe in this space as soon as possible because ultimately we're about to go perform in public and i need you feeling your most confident self performing mm. in public so the process to get there we start with our jazzercise lucas leads that then i will lead our bob bobography which i teach some of our signature moves which are very very accessible this is the people's dance we've got the flamingo which are free range flamingos and we've got larry lasso and we demonstrate how Larry Lasso works. We've got the pizza maker. Um, and then Cameron with a K, he teaches a twerk class, which is all about destigmatizing the booty and using the butt in a way that activates your- I need your... to take this part. This is, the, this is the part that's, I think, most important. I think I can do the hands. I yeah. feel I'm very comfortable breathing. But yeah, yeah this but the is, booty. This is my, this is my area so of greatest learning. Cameron, Cameron is the queen of booty he really walks you through like here are the techniques here's how you lift the butt cheek up and then down and then he tells you like you can run with it oh and he, gosh this is really important like, for me we, he like balances the glass on his butt like it's like all about finding the power in your butt oh my and God. not yes. and not being so afraid to do that because so many people are afraid of like being too you know putting yourself too out like i just don't actually about, know how to do it that's really the thing. I'm. It's a. It's a. It's a blind spot for me. I did not. Well, I never. You need, you need to meet. You need to have a one on one with. Yeah, Cameron yeah. Cameron, 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 and Cameron collab. Like for, for sure. Exactly. Actually, truly, this I think yeah. would be life changing for me. I think you would love it, and you would love Cameron with a K. And you also can't say Cameron without saying Cameron with a K because it's with a K, and he's branded himself that way. So needless to say. We've got the jazzercise, we've got the bobography, we've got the bootography, and then we open up the runway. So then Lido takes, he splits and parts the sea, we gather on either side, and we go over the rules of the runway, which is basically have fun, 
but also don't clog the drain. So once you enter the runway, keep it flowing, and then you file at the end. And then when if you're not on the runway, you're cheering for the person and you're rooting for them to be the best version of themselves. And so by the end of this runway, we've now taken you through the experience. Then here's the choreography. Y'all ready to learn the tutorial? And by then they're like, they're like, yeah, like they're feeling themselves. So then in within a 45 minute time period, we teach a four measure choreography. And then in the next 15 minutes after that, we rehearse it three times. And then we dart, we walk, we disperse. And I say, when you hear the music, it's go time. Oh my it's, God. It's like a rush of adrenaline because it all happens. Yeah, this sounds, it's, it's so very quickly. intense. It's very intense. But, but not intense in a bad no, way. No, no, no. But like, I just mean the but, time frame. It's like, you're just, you're getting right into it. Yeah. And, and all to say is that that's our time and our energy. So that's why we charge a price. Mm-hmm. Like, like, hey, this is the ticket. But we also charge a discounted right? Because we don't want, like you were saying, I don't want money being in the way of you experiencing this joy. So if money is a situation, we get that. I've been there very recently. Um, here's a discounted, discounted rate. Um, and if you can't even pay the discounted rate, let us know. Just come on by, you know. But that is how also integrity, especially in LA, if you have a free ticket, people will sign up for a free ticket and not show up because there's no integrity. There's no um, accountability held to that ticket. However, when you pay even a small fee, even if it's $5, your integrity and accountability to show up is there. And so that's something that I've learned is that we charge a ticketed price, even if you're not paying for the full ticket. It's just something that validates that you have signed up. And so we are expecting your participation. Yeah, I relate to that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Oh, this is... But that's not our moneymaker. Like, like when we do it for fun, that's not our moneymaker. When we get hired by a brand to say, can you, right. can you do a flash mob to activate this new launch? Right. We're like, yeah. And then the other thing I forgot to tell you, our main form of business, it's actually what we're known for beyond flash bobs is vibe curation. So yes, parties would hire bobs to basically come and get the party started and keep it flowing. And we do an exceptional job at that. It's like you're a host and you just want your attendees to just be at ease and just having the best time. And you want everyone talking about the party like months later, you bring the bobs in and it's like, we just like, well, you know, I have no idea. I mean, yes, I I get that that's what you're what you're known for, but like your fingers just did like a disbursement. Like I'd like to. I mean, in that, it's all. It just sounds very esoteric. Like, talk to me. Give me like a concrete example of what you're talking about. Okay, um, Don Julio just launched a new tequila. It's a rose tequila, and they had a big launch party at some mansion in the hills, and they said, "Hey, can we hire the Bobs to do a?" to vibe curate and also to do a performance. So it's usually packaged in the same thing. Yeah. So we start with a performance and it usually is a surprise performance. So it comes out of nowhere in which like the music happens and then we pop out and then we do the choreography. And then once we have everyone's attention, we have a microphone, we introduce ourselves and then we say, we got one more dance for y'all. And then we do another dance and everyone cheers. And then after that, the dance, Bob's dance shop experience of like the runway like that's something that happens organically. So we just start strutting um, dance parties, the bobographies, like we activate the energy in the space. We like, I don't know how 
the biggest hardest part is explaining what we do because when you see it you understand it's just like we're we're the party starters and there's more than one of us when you have more than one party starter it i don't know how to explain it we activate and also the fashion is another element because when we show up to these we're very intentional with the party the color scheme and we bring the utmost fashion um because that's a way where people just go yeah like your vibe your outfit and are and you like, talking to folks afterwards like you're are you milling or are oh, you yeah outfit? like this is yeah no this is not transactional for us like yes we get paid to do it but when we're there it's like we're making friends like the same way that if we were going to any event like we make friends and it's not for any other reason is that that's just who we are like we we have no fear going up to new people and introducing ourselves um one of the big things that we do is we remember names so like that is a bob staple you meet a bob we're going to remember your name and we're going to know how you spell your name um like if i meet a britney unanimously if anyone meets a britney the question is, is it T-T-A-N-Y or is it T-N-E-Y? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very and they important, always go, very important detail. oh, it's actually A-N-Y. Like, thanks for asking. No one ever asked me mm-hmm. that. For me, I have this visual remembering of that's Brittany with an A-N-Y. When I see Brittany 45 minutes later, I'm going to call Brittany by their name. And she's going, or they are going to feel like, oh, wow, like that person asked for my name and actually remembered it because that's just a hard thing that people just don't do. It's a way of seeing someone for their essence. And the fact of being remembered is just a feeling of empowerment that we just don't do enough. And so like that is one of the main ingredients is that we go and we make friends, but we're not just fakely making friends. It's like we're really genuinely meeting you, introducing ourselves, having conversation. And then I'm going, hey Cameron, like you gotta meet Brittany with this is Brittany with an A and Y. This is Cameron with a K, not with a C. And it's like, then new friendships are happening. And then Brittany's like, oh, you got to meet my friend Kelsey. And it's like, was it Kelsey? Like S-E-A or S-E-Y? It's like a whole thing. Like, sure, yeah. And it, it's fun. But it ultimately is like, it's just seeing people. Like when, I don't know, when well, you feel think- seen for your name, your name is such a personal thing. And when someone cares enough to know how that's spelled, it just goes deeper. Sure. It's like, oh, you're you're more than just, going through the motions of saying hello and what's your name, but you actually genuinely care. There's a difference in that. And like, that's what I'm, what I'm having a hard time explaining to you is that so much of who we are is you get it once you, once you meet it. I don't feel confused. I think what you're talking about is kind of skipping small talk. You know, I know for me that if there's somebody that I would like to meet, especially somebody who's like career, I respect it's my preference would be for me to meet them after they've seen me do stand up. Because then they have like context for me. It's like easier to chit chat. And what you're talking about of coming out with a performance and then talking from there, there's like a baseline thing that everybody has in common, which is that they just saw this thing that happened right here that because otherwise it's very hard to figure out, I think, for a lot of people, like what's the first thing you say, you know, Mm -hmm. and even the name thing you're talking about, it's it's a lot of the stuff you're talking about is kind of like a first thing, a continued thing when people might feel awkward or they might be milling without yeah. a sense of purpose. You're talking about kind of connective tissue is what it sounds like to me. And I, yeah. I certainly think anybody listening who's like been to a work event, been to a wedding, tried to show up as an adult to anything understands that like without connective tissue, it's super difficult to just yeah, like chit chat around and feel chill, at least for me. 
Um, You know, so it makes a lot of sense why people would be interested in hiring, especially if it's like something, especially if it's something like a party for a brand, which again, maybe if you're, if you do a, a pretty different type of a job, maybe you don't totally know what we're talking about, but it's just substitute any work event. It's like that work event where people are clients and you like, there's stakes sort of, but you don't even know why you're there and you're not supposed to, you don't know what you're like totally supposed to get out of it. I mean, it's that experience. And yeah. so if anybody who can make that more comfortable is a very valuable person because that is a yeah. rough one. I think that's one of those, it is. you know, it's the company Christmas party when you just got hired like a month before and you don't know anything about anybody, but you somehow yeah. have to like put on a cute outfit. Yeah. So I want to be respectful like, of your time and just say that, you know, we just are chatting for an hour. So there's like four minutes left, five minutes left. And um, something I always do is ask folks to shout out a queero. And that's like a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. And I know we talked a little bit about Freddie, you know, Beyonce. I don't know if you want to. I have, I have, I have. Come on, baby, let um, me hear it. You know Alok? Yeah, of course. Okay. I see Alok and what Alok is doing. And for me, it just validates the sense of like, oh, yes. Like I just have such a, an immense respect for them, for what they're doing and how they use their platform to speak audaciously and truthfully. And it's really inspiring for me to, to say, like, okay, well, how am I living up to that with my platform, with my body, with my voice to stand firmly? in my truth and in such a way that's so heartfelt and you know not divisive because that i'm not a very divisive i'm not a very um abrasive person i'm very gentle so when i say joy activism like i am act i i am showing up boldly in a space but i'm not fighting i'm 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 doing so in like a very goofy and vulnerable way that's shifting uh, the environment. And that's something that I, I watch a look through their comedy, through their, you know, their standup, even just through their spoken word and, and like reading their captions, I'm the captions. I'm just like, like, how did you find those words to articulate something that I feel so deeply in my body? Um, and, and that's just like motivation for me and for the, for the other Bobs to show up. And just be truthful because you just don't know how it's radiating and affecting and who's receiving that and being moved and being inspired. But that's mm-hmm. my queero, my my current queer queero. So what a great pick! And yeah. I'm sure that for many people, you are that too. Um, I can't wait to hear what happens when you move to New York and see what happens when you move to New York. It's it's super good to meet you. I hope I get a chance to actually see you do your thing in person. Thank you so much.